Sponsor Juniper Abstra's intent-based multi-vendor networking solution helps you build your data center network to a specific design, then make sure it stays within that spec. Deployment automation and continuous validation. Find out more at juniper.net slash packetpushers slash Abstra. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Welcome back to the Full Stack Journey Podcast, where we talk about the ongoing evolution of the IT professional. Thanks so much for listening. I am your host, Scott Lowe, and my goal today, as always, is to help equip and prepare listeners for their journey of learning across the full stack of technologies that are present in today's data centers and public cloud environments. Normally, I would have a guest with me, but this month I'm flying solo on the podcast, and I'd like to spend some time talking about learning new technologies. Although lots of episodes in the podcast are focused in some way on helping listeners move forward in their journey as an IT professional, um, it's been a while since I specifically tackled the topic of learning here on the podcast. I went back and looked through uh, all of the episodes that we published in the last episode that specifically discussed learning or learning new technologies was episode 21 with Cody Bunch, which was published back in May of 2018. So it's been almost four years since we talked about specifically the idea of learning new technologies and growing in your career. Now, I mentioned, you know, every episode kind of focuses on helping IT professionals grow. And I have this mantra that I use with guests when I'm preparing them to get on the episode. And I say, I want always to focus on providing practical, actionable advice. In other words, we want to focus on giving listeners information that they can put to practical use in growing their IT career and growing their IT skill set. So with that in mind, what I thought I would do to talk about uh, learning here on the podcast in this episode is draw some examples from my own career and give you some key takeaways in some of the technology transitions that I have made in my own career. And hopefully this information would be useful to all of you as well. So I'll draw on four examples. And from each of the examples, I'll provide a key takeaway Um, that I feel is applicable and that would be practical and actionable uh, following my own mantra that I give to guests. Um, So first, let's talk about um, sort of the first big transition that I made in my career, which was going from virtualization being, you know, sort of the vSphere guy over to what I will call sort of networking. And um, this was around 2012, 2013. It's when I started focusing a little less on virtualization, a little less on vSphere specifically, a little more on networking. And that culminated in early 2013 when I joined the NSX team at VMware. And you can see, if you were to go back to the site archives on my blog, you can go back and look at the time, the sort of things that I was writing in late 2011, early 2012. And and you can see that I was moving away from talking so much about virtualization and too much about vSphere specifically. And we started doing a lot more around networking. And uh, I was talking to networking folks and I was learning uh, more about networking. And uh, one thing that helped as I was doing that is a conversation I had. And I'm not sure if it came from Yvonne Papelniak or Greg Farrow. Either way, both of them were deeply knowledgeable about networking. But the phrase that, that comes to mind was focus on concepts, not on implementation. 
Um, now, I had Yvonne on the show back in May of 2018, and he shared a ton of great information about learning networking um, and was very practical about that and, and gave some, again, some very actionable advice um, that I think even now, you know, uh, quite a while later, is still very, very practical and very, very useful. Um, I don't, I, even after my transition and even after I was working on the NSX team for a while and and even after talking and, and meeting with folks like Greg and Yvonne and many, many others in the networking space, I still wouldn't consider myself an expert. But for me, it wasn't necessarily about being an expert. It was about becoming fluent enough to be able to understand the concepts that were at play here. So as I was looking at, uh, you know, how I could parlay my knowledge in server virtualization into an understanding of networking and specifically working on the NSX team at that time, how this played into the concept of virtual networking. Uh, I just needed to know how the, the concepts uh, applied to the other things, how networking concepts applied to overlay networks and to virtual networking within uh, a hypervisor, that sort of thing. I didn't need to become necessarily an expert. Now, for listeners who are making a full-blown career transition and who are going to get a job in networking full-time or you're going to go from storage to security or whatever the case may be, that may be different. But for me, I didn't need to become an expert. I just needed to become fluent enough and conversant enough to be able to speak intelligently to the experts, understand what they were saying, and then be able to relate that to what I needed to work on. I needed to be able to sort of see the system as a whole rather than just my piece of it and sort of understand how these other things affected my piece of it, right? That's also something that Yvonne mentioned, and we've talked about in a few other episodes on the podcast, and that is sort of understanding your adjacencies, becoming more familiar with those adjacent areas, and knowing enough about those adjacencies to know how those adjacencies are going to affect whatever your particular focus is right at this particular time. So as I as I made the transition from, from doing you know, virtualization into networking and virtual networking, the key takeaway that I want to, to share with all of you, the listeners, is focus on concepts, not on implementation, right? In other words, when you're learning something about a new technology area, don't worry so much about a particular vendor's implementation of it. Try to focus on the underlying concepts behind it. Now, sometimes this is easier said than done. For example, there may not be a general concept other than one vendor's particular implementation of that. But wherever possible, try to look at and draw parallels and conclusions um, from that and look at others if you can. It's common enough now to be able to find often a proprietary implementation and then an open source implementation. And you can compare how these two things work and begin to draw out your own concepts if somebody else hasn't already drawn out those concepts for you. Great examples, you know, ESXi, the hypervisor that VMware uses, and KVM, the open source hypervisor used by Linux. Um, great example here of, you know, one proprietary implementation, one open source implementation, and then you can begin to draw concepts out from both of those in terms of, you know, virtual disks and virtual networking and how virtual networking works, those sort of things. So focus on concepts, not on implementation. Now, that being said, you have to obviously learn the implementation in order to get the job um, if that's what you're trying to do, because that's, you know, the real world deals in real things, um, and you, know, you 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 need to know how a particular concept is implemented by a particular vendor. So there will be some overlap here, but if you try to lead with concepts, as opposed to saying, I know how vendor X works, 
then your skills become a little more portable and you have prepared yourself to be able to learn additional um, vendors or learn additional platforms, or whatever the case may be, when that time uh, comes. So focus on concepts, not on implementation. As I spent a few years working in the networking space, uh, I then began to start looking at uh, other technologies, and in particular, sort of containers, right? Now, in my early time of transitioning from virtualization and networking, that looked like me spending a lot of time um, with Linux. And I was focused pretty heavily on Linux networking. So I spent a lot of time working with Open vSwitch and Linux bridges and interfaces and Linux routing tables and network namespaces and all that kind of stuff. There were a couple of reasons for this. One, uh, one of the vehicles that drew me out of networking and into, or out of virtualization into networking rather was OpenStack, which was heavily built on all of these technologies. Also, a just a matter of personal interest, I found it very fascinating how all of these things worked. So I spent a lot of time working with them. But the, the point here is that um, those technologies that I learned on really paid off as I began to switch into focusing a little more on containers as opposed to core networking concepts. And so when the time came to start working with containers, and you can see this on my website, sort of in the 2014 to 2015 names uh, time frame right in there, then uh, that focus really paid off. That time that I had spent working on concepts like network namespaces and routing tables and policy routing and so on and so forth were the building blocks that a lot of these technologies um, and tools that were coming out, things like Docker and containers and Kubernetes, these all these things uh, used these building blocks pretty heavily. So focusing on these building blocks first was a very fortuitous move for me. Now, I wish I could say that this was something that I had planned. Um, I didn't necessarily plan it, but it did work out well. Um, so I can't you know, tell you guys, hey, this is how to you know, uh, make the same sort of fortuitous move. You need to watch the technologies and see where things are going. But the takeaway that I can provide for you is try to build on or expand existing skills where you can rather than moving into completely new skill sets. And this, again, goes back to our discussion around adjacent areas and understanding the adjacencies of where you're working right now. But this will give you far greater success in learning new technologies than just completely from scratch trying to learn something entirely new and unrelated. Now, there are times when you have to do that, of course, and uh, that's fine. But where you can, try to build on or build right next to some sort of existing technology. And you can see that this was also true for my previous transition. If you were someone who was working very heavily in server virtualization, you very naturally spent time working in storage because of the way that the hypervisor had to rely on underlying storage for the placement of virtual disks and so on and so forth. You also spent a lot of time in networking because we had the virtual switch in the hypervisor and you had to understand how that was configured in relation to the underlying physical network and how you interacted with your networking team to get it configured correctly. The point being here that um, rather than having to move into a completely different thing, try to identify what those adjacent areas are. So if you're in storage, maybe you're, the adjacent area is, or the adjacent technology is you know, compute. Maybe it's not just on-premises storage, but it's cloud storage. What does that look like in the, in the cloud? How do we handle block storage in the public cloud? How do we handle other types of storage, like object storage in the public cloud? And um, leverage what you already know with the things you've already learned, the concepts that you've already mastered, and then use those to build on or expand 
your existing skill set. So the key takeaway here is I began to move from focusing more on networking into looking at um, containers and container orchestration is try to build on or expand existing skills where you can leverage the adjacencies that are present. Now, around the same time as I began to start focusing more on containers and container orchestration, I also started adding some additional um, tooling into sort of my repertoire of things that I use. Now, I'll use the term DevOps here, but I'm not entirely comfortable with that term because it has a lot of very specific connotations. But the idea here is that I started adding tools and workflows that are very common in the software development space. And I was adding these things to things that I already knew. So I was leveraging this idea of building on or expanding existing skill sets where you can. So I already needed to use virtual machines, um, either locally on my laptop or in the cloud or on a set of servers. How can I begin to apply sort of a developer workflow into something like that? And so that led me into tools like Vagrant or into infrastructure as code tools like Terraform, into other automation tools like Ansible. But all of these were, uh, again, sort of building on or expanding existing skills or were adjacent to where I already had an existing skill set. I already knew about virtualization, whether that be local virtualization, using a tool like VMware Workstation or you know, VMware Fusion or VirtualBox or, you know, KVM, whatever the case may be on your local laptop. I already knew about how to do that. Now, how could I look at adding developer workflows and developer tools to that? How could I um, streamline that? How can I automate that? How can I make it, you know, more repeatable, more reproducible? Um, one great example of this is that um, in late 2014, early 2015, I migrated my blog from WordPress, where it had been hosted for nearly a, a decade, over to um, a Git-based workflow, hosting the site on um, GitHub and GitHub Pages, which is based on a, a technology called Jekyll. Now, the, the, the point here is, though, that when you are learning a new technology, many times you need a, a problem to solve, a use case. And it's, it's really hard sometimes to learn a new technology when you don't have a thing that you're trying to take care of, right? You're going to learn, learn this new technology X, but you don't really know how to use X on a regular basis. And, um, and you don't really have a, like a solid problem to solve. And that can be the case often where we're learning a new technology or a new tool or something. And so when I migrated my website from WordPress to GitHub and Git, the point was I needed to have a reason to be using Git on a regular basis. Um, Git is something that you know, we talk about, people should learn it, you should use it. It can be used for a lot of different purposes in a lot of different contexts, not just in a software development context. And so to, to use it myself, to become more familiar with it myself, and I still wouldn't call myself an expert at it, but I am pretty pretty conversant. I can, I can get done what I need to get done in it. I wanted some solid use case, and that solid use case was going to be, I'm going to manage the content on my blog using Git. And so when I commit to Git, then it's going to update my site, and, and then you know, I'm going to publish something, right? And having this practical use case for the technology made it easy to incorporate that into what I'm doing every day, into the, the things that I'm, into my workflows, into the things I'm doing, and rather than it being like something extra that I have to do, right? I'm, I'm trying to remove friction from the learning process and make it practical and real and, you know, something that becomes part of what I do. And, and this 
uh, you know, can be played out again as you watch the migration of my blog first to Git and GitHub pages using Jekyll. But then again, later I migrated from there to Hugo and hosting the content in an S3 bucket and fronting that with CloudFront. And this gives me a very practical use case, a very practical, like every day, uh, every time we're Every time I publish, not necessarily every day. I wish I was publishing every day, but not not quite every day. Every time I publish, you know, I'm having to upload stuff to S3. I'm having to update um, CloudFront and invalidate caches where necessary. I'm having to commit uh, the changes to GitHub repository. I'm having to use the AWS CLI to make these changes. And so this is a great way for me to begin to, again, add more knowledge, uh, add uh, information or add experience rather in adjacent areas um, to build on what I'm already uh, learned and what I already know. And so the key takeaway here in this example is to find a practical use case, whatever technology or tool it is that you're learning. So if you're trying to learn, um, you know, some developer workflows, then try to incorporate those developer workflows into your day-to-day. -day. If you're trying to to learn some New technologies, like maybe you're trying to learn Kubernetes, for example, right? Try to find some ways to incorporate Kubernetes into things that you do on a regular basis, even though if that means, you know, okay, hey, I'm going to buy some Raspberry Pis and I'm going to run a small Kubernetes cluster at home, or if you've got the resources and you want to run, you know, it, it in the public cloud or something of that nature, that's fine. But try to find something that allows you to incorporate that. I interrupt this podcast conversation and possibly myself to explain who the heck sponsor Abstra is. In a nutshell, multi-vendor network automation plus continuous validation. And I stress multi-vendor because if you've been paying attention to acquisition news, you know that Abstra was bought by Juniper a while back. So you might be thinking you don't care about Abstra unless you're a Juniper shop. And that is just not true. Abstra can handle data center network automation across a spectrum of vendors. So what do we mean by data center automation anyway? We mean that you design the DC network to meet some business requirements you have, and you do that within the Abstra interface, and let's say it's leaf spine with eVPN. Abstra's got access to the network devices themselves, and it takes your intent to create that leaf spine physical network with an eVPN overlay and configures it for you. I mean, Abstra can't plug the cables in for you, right? You still have to do that bit. But Abstra can tell you when the cabling is out of whack, whether that's during the day zero build-out phase or the day two, hey, it looks like an optic failed phase. And that's sort of the point here. Cabling, routing relationships, device and link addressing, inter-switch links, VLANs, VTEPs, mappings, tons of these things. So many that you don't want to have to do that configuration yourself. It seems fun until you're actually building it, and then you realize it's totally not fun. You want software to stand up the data center fabric for you. Software's not going to fat finger an address. Software's not going to forget to update BGP policy. Software? Software loves you. <laughs> right, okay. Not all software loves you. But Abstra software does, so much so that it not only helps get that fabric built, but keeps it built the way you intended. Something goes out of spec, Abstra will enforce your intent, which should help you reduce security vulnerabilities, by the way, and alert you to the bits that need a human's attention. Abstra claims up to 80% improvements in operational efficiency, 70% improvements in mean time to resolution, and 90% improvements in time to deliver. And that is a lot of love. 
Find out more at juniper.net slash packet pushers slash abstra. If you're a data center network engineer, this is worth your investigation. Once more, that's juniper.net slash packet pushers slash abstra. And if you talk to your Juniper rep about abstra, make sure to tell them you heard about them on packet pushers. Juniper.net slash packet pushers slash abstra. And now back to the podcast. Now, let's keep in mind, I'm not I'm by no means recommending that you implement technology for technology's sake. Um, this always needs to be grounded in a practical reason for doing that, especially in a business context. So, you know, hey, I'm not saying you need to go install Kubernetes at your business just because you want to learn it. Make sure you have a valid, you know, justification for that. But in uh, in the terms of, you know, using tools um, or learning about other skill sets, I think there's a lot of room for us as IT professionals to be able to incorporate those into our day-to-day. And this is something we've touched on in a lot of different episodes, you know, um, talking about incorporating automation into your day-to-day and aligning that automation with what you're doing at your day job so that this is just, it becomes a natural part of what you're doing, makes you more efficient at your day job and gives you the opportunity to incorporate new skill sets into uh, what you're doing. So key takeaway here, find a practical use case for whatever technology or tool that you're learning. Now, in episode 54 of the Full Stack Journey, and this was uh, May of, of uh, last year of 2021, I mentioned that I was changing jobs and I had left VMware where I'd been for the last few years, went to work for a company called Kong, and Kong is a, a cloud connectivity fun- company focused on service mesh and, and API gateways, uh, among other use cases. Now, most of my growth over the last few years in terms of technical skills and that sort of thing had been in solidifying what I'd learned already. So I was expanding my knowledge about Kubernetes and Linux. I was getting more familiar with AWS and other public cloud platforms. I was looking into and learning more cloud native patterns and more cloud native tools. And all of this is reflected in in my writing. It's reflected in the career moves that I made when I went from VMware to Heptio in 2018, um, then acquired by VMware to come back and looking at cluster API over the last few years, for example. Uh, these are all examples of how I just uh, sort of solidified and built upon what I already knew and was putting into practice some of these earlier um, key takeaways. So I was focusing on concepts and then looking at how those concepts applied to implementation. I was building on what I already knew and expanding into adjacent areas. And I was finding practical use cases in order to help solidify my learning and streamline the learning process. Now, in order to keep myself sort of growing and changing, uh, which I think is a big part of, of being an IT professional, I decided that I wanted to focus on this cloud connectivity area that Kong is working on and, and learn more about and do more work with service meshes and API gateways. And both of these were areas that are seeing a lot of attention, a lot of growth um, in the enterprise space. And I felt like this was a good opportunity. So I, I made the jump and I talked about that again in episode 54. So go back and listen to that if you want. But in the process of doing that and trying to learn up, I had to learn a lot of stuff about technologies that I hadn't yet um, really addressed. So I spent a lot of time looking about learning about Envoy, the open source uh, proxy that's part of the CNCF. Um, it's used by a lot of different service meshes, including Istio and others. And I had to deepen my knowledge about Kubernetes and I had to touch parts of Kubernetes that I hadn't really messed with yet. Um, and get a little deeper into some of the the inner workings and the mechanics. And I had to you know, learn a little more about you know, network proxies and redirecting traffic and even had to spend a fair amount of time in the depths of IP tables and the order in which IP tables rules are applied. Um, 
wouldn't necessarily recommend that for everyone, by the way, unless you're just really, really geeky, but it was something that I needed to do to unravel a particular piece of, of understanding that I was working on. Now, you, if you go back, you look at my site, um, I've talked about how a lot of these technology shifts and changes are reflected in my writing. You can see how the topics of what I write about have shifted over the years. You won't see a lot of stuff yet about service mesh and proxies and that sort of thing. And to be honest, that's because um, although I'm, you know, very, very familiar with these technologies now that I've learned them, I'm still in that point where I'm assimilating them and, and sort of making them part of my skill set. And there's a saying that, you know, when you can write about something clearly, then you know you've really mastered that topic, right? And I feel like I still haven't really mastered them. I'm, I'm knowledgeable enough to be able to do what I need to do and help customers and help advise other people, and that's fine. But I think there's another layer yet that I still need to unpeel. And then you'll probably see some of that writing show up on my site. But in, but in thinking about it, as I've been, been unpacking the concepts and trying to draw parallels to what I already knew and identifying, you know, where there's adjacencies, that sort of thing, I, I began to ask myself, you know, isn't service mesh really just a, an evolution of some of the networking technologies that I learned, you know, way back in 2012 and 2013 as I began to uh, understand networking and virtual networking? I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to downplay the importance of service mesh by using the word, you know, just an evolution, right? But aren't there similarities? Aren't there uh, comparisons that can be made? Aren't there underlying concepts that uh, could be generalized to both of these, right? Yes, there are new concepts involved, right? And yes, you know, things like networking um, and routing and virtual networking and then service mesh, they may operate um, predominantly at different layers of the network stack. But overall, the idea of a service mesh feels a lot like some of the things that I've learned before. You know, instead of connecting two endpoints via IP addresses and an overlay, instead we're going to connect two applications by service name or, or service address and port across, you know, a mutual TLS connection, right? Um, and I say all of that just to say that I think it's really important as you are going through your career of learning and your career of growing and changing with the technology as an IT professional, it's really important not to stay locked into one way of thinking about things because all technologies are going to grow and evolve and change. And there's going to be this ebb and flow. And, you know, if you wanted to, you could even go back to, uh, you know, what is it? RFC 1925, I think, is the, the 12 networking truths. And they one of the, the 12 networking truths talks about how um, everything old will be proposed again with a new name. That may be a little bit of, of hyperbole, but it, it I think there's a, a kernel of truth there in that old technologies do come back again our old concepts do come back again, maybe with new technologies. And we've seen that before. So I guess my key takeaway here would be keep an open mind about how the things you've learned continue to evolve and change and be willing to consider that some new thing that is out there that you are thinking about learning might be the reincarnation or an evolution of something that you've learned before. And I think that if you were to focus on concepts, like the first takeaway that we talked about, and uh, and do that, then it might be easier for you to begin to see how new things coming to market might be an evolution of something that you've learned before. So let me go back and recap the, the, the four takeaways that I have shared with you in talking about some of the 
technology transitions that I've made over my career. First one was focus on concepts, not of implementation. Try to look at the underlying concepts that are involved when you're learning something rather than the specific way a particular product or vendor um, implements those concepts. Again, I recognize this may be difficult in some cases, but in a lot of cases, there are multiple implementations that you can use to compare and draw out concepts if those concepts aren't um, already drawn out somewhere for you. Um, I think networking professionals have a bit of a, an advantage here because we have these standard spotties like the IETF and we have things like RFCs that try to focus on concepts and then implementation comes, you know, sort of, I don't want to say after, but um, as a result of, you know, the concepts. And it's not necessarily the case in other areas, but I do think with the example of hypervisors where you have like a proprietary ESXi hypervisor and you have the open source KVM hypervisor, you can draw parallels and comparisons to establish what those concepts are. Second key takeaway, try to build on or expand existing skills where you can. It's far easier to build on what you already know or to build right next to what you already know than to go off into some entirely new area that you've never done anything with before. And so wherever you are today, if you're a networking professional, there are adjacent areas, whether that be security, whether that be a cloud networking, whether that be um, uh, you know, compute and virtual networking, there are these virtual these are these adjacencies where you can expand your skill set uh, without having to start from a completely foreign set of concepts, right? Takeaway number three, find a practical use case where possible for whatever technology or tool you're learning. This is certainly far easier when you're learning a new tool as opposed to a new technology. But if there's a way for you to incorporate that into your day-to-day -day workflows, if there's a way for you to incorporate that into things that you already know, if there's a way to, to link that to the previous takeaway, which is building on um, or building right next to existing skill sets, then I think that is going to make it far easier for you to learn these new technologies or new tools. And then finally, the fourth takeaway, keep an open mind about how things that you've learned continue to evolve or change. Don't get locked into thinking about something in a particular way. Um, I think by focusing on concepts and by uh, identifying adjacencies when you are building right next to something you already know that might make this easier um, to understand how things evolve, how things change, how they come back again with a new set of technologies or a new name. Um, but I do believe that following uh, these sort of four um, key takeaways can help you as you start to embrace the new technologies and new things that are happening in your IT career. All right, well, that's it for this episode, listeners. It's a bit of a shorter episode than what we often publish, but I do hope that you have found this information to be helpful. I want to thank you again for listening um, to the episode and joining me for another episode of the Full Stack Journey. I'd love to hear your feedback on this episode or any episode of the podcast, so don't hesitate to reach out to me. I am readily available in various social media channels. You can reach me, Scott Lowe, your host, directly on Twitter as at Scott underscore Lowe, or you can contact the podcast as at FSJ Podcast, both on Twitter. Um, I'm also present in various Slack communities, and my email address is not terribly hard to find, so feel free to email me directly if you want. I'd love to hear from you via any of those methods. So thanks again for joining. This has been the Full Stack Journey Podcast, where too much learning is never enough. Mm -hmm.